Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Chatter. This week, we're incredibly lucky to have Tina Mathams all the way from Australia joining us. Tina is a ADHD accountant and a money coach, which I wish I had uh, when I was younger dealing with dealing with money and ADHD. Tina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the invite. Can't wait to have a bit of a chat. Just a quick sort of background I suppose when did you start doing the work that you're doing now with around ADHD money coaching and what motivated you to start doing that work I want to say about 18 months ago um I about two years ago I started my Instagram account um because I was going through my own ADHD assessment and um I actually didn't know the world of ADHD social media existed um, all I knew was that I started an Instagram account, I did a search for other ADHD accounts and found some, started following them, and then I just wanted to, um, yeah, share my journey, share my experience, and it very quickly became a big thing. People started following, I started following more accounts with, um, you know, as I found them, people with ADHD, other people, and um, yeah, it wasn't long before people sort of started putting two, two, two and two together that I, my name is the ADHD accountant and I am actually an accountant with ADHD. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't long before people started reaching out and just asking about money and tax and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of flowed from there, I guess. It was just, you know, um, yeah, I just, I guess I kind of just in a way fell into it because it's, um, yeah, it's just what people wanted. So it's such a valuable niche and it's mm. it's a, a, so many questions I get based on that topic and I know other people in the space do and I'm not um I'm awful with money um mm. and the, the funny thing is like I've spoken to a lot of people with ADHD and and maths and that sort of mm. way mm. of thinking is always you know down the list of of what they enjoy doing yes. you 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 would you say you've been drawn to maths and that kind of thinking that goes with accountancy yes absolutely when I was seven uh my favorite thing to do was my older sister who was who's 12 years older than me she used to uh write maths um problems on my blackboard for me to solve and I would just sit there 
hour after hour just solving these maths problems that were probably about three grades higher than what, you know, I should have been doing as a seven-year-old. And I just loved it. It was just my, I guess, looking back, it was just my hyper-focus. It's all I wanted to do. I've just loved numbers since I was little. And I, I, yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just one of those things that I was probably born with and just one of those interests that's always been there. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to the hyper-focus. Um, yeah. It's that to have that hyper-focus towards maths and that kind of thinking is, is new to me. Like I, I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I, I've, I've hyper-focused on things all the time, but never maths. I've always delegated that or struggled with that in the past. And particularly mm. with money and spending. And I put a story out saying I was invited. I wasn't, didn't say who, but I said I was it's bringing on a, uh, an ADHD accountant and a money coach. And do you have any questions? And the one that flooded <laughs> my inbox was, was, uh, help me with my impulse spending. Um, yeah. I, it's a real, that was, I would say 80% of the, the response to that story. So yeah. I know it's a huge question really, but just, would you have any advice for people if they're struggling with impulse spending? Yeah, so much. I'm also, I'm not surprised that that's the biggest question because it is, it's also my biggest question in my inbox when I work with clients in a money coaching capacity. It's often the biggest thing that we work through um, together with a lot of people. So, you know, there's lots of things that can go into it and it is, it is, it is a big question, but I mean, you know, we are very impulsive by nature. ADHD, we're impulsive. It's one of our biggest traits. So there's, there's no surprise that that extends then to money. Um, with that, not only do we have the impulsivity because of our ADHD, but we're often not taught how to manage money. Um, as we're growing up, we go into adulthood with a lot of, um, you know, beliefs around money because of what we were taught or not taught, what our parents said to us, said to us as kids, you know, when it comes to money. So all of that together um, really plays into uh, ADHD as adults doing all this impulsive spending. And look, there's lots of things you can do externally and internally, you know, putting together tools and strategies, are, you know, kind of the external things that you can do. Um, putting in a time rule is, you know, one of the biggest things that I go to first, um, you know, telling yourself you can buy something, but you just have to wait, you know, 24 hours or 36 hours or whatever it may be, trying to put some sort of time barrier between you and that purchase um, does work very, very well. Um, when it comes to trying to slow down our brain when it comes to impulsive spending. But it's also the, um, you know, some of the internal stuff as well, which a lot of people seem as a bit fluffy. You know, when we talk about mindset and money mindset and sometimes people's eyes just sort of glaze over that when I talk about it. Um, but it's really important. It's important to sort of, um, you know, not only have those external tools and strategies, but also understand why you do feel a certain way about money. It can, you know, the impulsiveness with with um, buying stuff can come from a bit of a sort of negative um, mindset around money and how good or bad, you know, you might perceive that you are with money. So um, lots of things that you can do to try to sort of help yourself. I'm very cautious about not telling people that you can totally overcome impulsive spending. Um, I still do it as someone who is, you know, quite good with money, does, you know, stuff with money every single day. Um, and, you know, ha having ADHD, it's probably not very realistic to say that we can totally um, not impulsively spend anymore. Um, but just 
you know, overcoming it so you're not doing it as often. And when you do do it, it doesn't spiral because that's the other thing. You know, we do it once and then we feel like we've fallen off the bandwagon and then we just, you know, spiral into this um, impulsive shopping um, spiral where we just can't get out of it. So some other sort of things that you can do along with that 24-hour rule is, um, you know, talk about your purchases before you buy something with your partner or a friend or something like that. You know, just get some external um, help with it or something like that. The other one that's really good is giving yourself a, um, a bit of a budget to have impulsive um, spending during your month or your week, however often you get paid. Um, just something that you put in another bank account. It has its own card. Once that's spent, then you know that that's it, you know, until you get paid again. And then you can replenish that little um, that little bank account. So, yeah, a few things that you can do, but it's a big, it is a big um, issue when it comes with ADHD and impulsive spending. I cast my mind back to an example. When I, when I turned 18, I, I was hyper fixated on this new car, this mm-hmm. mini convertible that I could not afford. Um, but when I turned 18, I was then legally able to get a credit card mm-hmm. and I went and got three credit cards and I, that was enough for me to get the deposit for then to convince the car company that I could afford this finance agreement. And within about a week, I was just obsessed and I got this car. Mm. And of course, the next after I'd calmed down and got over that hyper fixation and that super obsession, I was like, oh, my God, I've got this car that's worth 13,000 quid that I can't afford. Um, and that for me is like an example because that actually led to a lot of stress and debt for mm. me that I then had to get three jobs to pay off. And that was, I think, an example of clear like. Um, you know, impulsive spending as a result of this this hyperfixation that ADHD can give you. So mm-hmm. I suppose my question is, when you do do that, if you do, you know, we're all human, we're all going to impulse spend. Mm-hmm. What? How could you be a bit kinder to yourself afterwards? Are there any sort of tips to someone could 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 implement just to give themselves a bit of an easier time when they do impulse spend? Yeah, just really trying to not go into that shame and guilt spiral because that's what we tend to do as well. We shame ourselves. Oh, I've done this again. I've spent this money again. I've overspent. You know, I spent money that I should have spent that I should have saved for groceries or something like that. We we go into this shame spiral and shame cycle and um, then we feel very, very guilty. So it's it's, you know, a bit of education as well. It's understanding why we tend to do this, which is the things that we just spoke about, right? We have ADHD. Impulsiveness is one of our main traits. Understanding that can go a long way because it can help you just come out of that shame spiral. Um, so acknowledging that we're going to do this from time to time, and that's okay. You know, where um, it's, as I said, very unrealistic that we're just not going to do it ever. So just if you can be okay with the fact that it is going to happen sometimes and have those kind words to say to yourself. I often say to people, talk to yourself like you would talk to your friend or your you know, sister, brother, parent, whatever. If they were to do something like this, what would you say to them to sort of help them out of that shame and guilt that they're going to be feeling? Say the same thing to yourself. If you don't say it to your friend or your you know, child, whatever it may be, then don't say those things to yourself. Um, which can be really helpful as well, um, having that mindset around that to just sort of pick yourself up a little bit after you've been on that um, bit of a spending bender. Yeah, gosh, that's fascinating. And yeah. I suppose, do you think there's like a, when you're in that <clears throat> moment of just pure excitement and mm. you see something and you want it, you want yeah. to buy it now, you, you can't wait. Yeah. 
is there any advice for somebody who is trying not to give in to that moment, what they could do in that moment when they see that thing on the internet or they see that thing on the shelf when they're walking through the shop? Um, do you have any advice for someone in that moment? Yeah, um, I guess, and you know, this, this, um, those strategies and tools that we talked about earlier, you know, putting that time rule in place between you and purchasing the thing, these things sometimes can take a little bit to actually, you know, get used to doing that. So it's all well and good for us to sit here and say something like that. Um, but with ADHD, often we're going to forget that as well. So someone's going to listen to this and then go away and then, you know, impulsively spend. And then maybe the next day they're going to be like, oh, that's right. That's what I heard on that podcast. So it's a matter of, you know, maybe even writing things down writing it in your, you know, your um, mobile phone notes or, you know, having a physical piece of paper, letting your friends know. So if you often, you know, go out shopping with friends, let them know that you want what you want to do. Um, so, you know, perhaps when you're in that moment, they can remind you, hey, remember you said you were going to implement this time rule or something like that. Because what you want to do when you're in that moment, whether you're online or whether you're in a physical shop, is just to slow down your brain. And you can do that lots of different ways, a few that we've already spoken about. Um, you just need to stop. You need to slow down your brain. You need to actually think before you, you know, go to the checkout and purchase that thing. Um, so it's a case of, you know, start writing these things down, let other people know, and over time start practicing these things that, you know, when you get six, 12 months down the track, it's going to become almost second nature. Um, when you start feeling that feeling, you're automatically going to stop because you've already practiced it over time. Um, so it's not it's not something that you can't overcome. So if anyone is listening to this and you're like, that feeling so familiar, it absolutely is. But it is something that you can, you know, over time implement little things that your brain will start to realize as, hang on, when we feel that feeling, um, we want to buy something, this is what we do first. When you uh, said inform a friend let them remind you is that is that a reference to what i've seen you you speak about before body doubling kind of yeah. it's something a little something bit different? different so um i guess you know telling a friend that this is what you want to do if they're with you you know in the physical shop or whatever that's kind of just acting as a reminder um i guess you know it is a little bit different to body doubling because body doubling you're you know doing a task or something um or a project or whatever it may be with somebody else and they're doing you know their own thing so it's a little bit different um but you know it um it also can work, I guess, as body doubling in a way, because if that friend also has ADHD or that friend has something, you know, a goal that they do want to achieve, you can just be your little, um, you know, each other's sort of, I guess, you know, buddy reminder person. Um, and in a way, it could just work as like an external body doubling, I guess. Yeah. Do you think spending is is a different process for the ADHD brain than it would be for the neurotypical brain in terms of the motivation and the response that we get from spending yeah it absolutely can be um you know we like to spend because we need that stimulation um when we you know for example put together a budget a neurotypical brain might be able to go okay i've put together it i'm gonna stick to this budget all i need to do is follow these steps put the money in these different accounts stick to you know this amount on groceries and off they go um, whereas for an ADHD brain, we crave that stimulation. 
Um, so, you know, when we, and we get those urges as well, those impulses. So as soon as we see something, we're like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't move on until I've bought this thing. Um, cause we're, we're, our brain wants that stimulation. We want that urge. Um, uh, sorry, we have that urge and we want that sort of, you know, dopamine that it's going to bring us. Um, whereas a neurotypical brain is a little bit different in, in that way that they don't, um, have as strong as urge to buy something like that. They don't need the stimulation and the dopamine that, you know, we get from um, purchasing things. Mm. It makes so much sense just listening to you say that. And uh, the relatability factor is sort of pinging off the chart. Um, and I think it will be for yep. other people listening. And you mentioned um, budgeting there. And I've tried budgeting before. You know, I've put a spreadsheet together and said, I'm only going to spend yep. this amount on shopping, on food, on clothes, whatever. And and it's and it's yep. not worked. Um do you, again it's a big topic budgeting and I think if it's so key I imagine to set a monthly spend you know what your outgoings are you know what your costs are and then in an ideal world yeah. that would be amazing but for me and other you know it's it's that impulsivity that can can get in the way do you have any takeaway tips for anybody who really does want to budget the best things that I find that helps um adults with ADHD is to budget in a way that's going to suit you that isn't overly restrictive so our typical budgeting that you know that you just described pretty much like you know set your spending limits um set your budget and off you go you stick to that budget and that's it that can feel very very restrictive for us and as soon as we feel that restriction we want to rebel from it and then again also with that is that if we don't stick to those limits that we've set ourselves for groceries or whatever it may be then we feel the shame. We feel the shame. We feel the guilt. We shame ourselves because we didn't stick to the budget. Um, so finding a way to budget that suits you in a non-restrictive way. So that can be like, instead of budgeting for every little thing, maybe just choose a few different categories that you can budget for. Groceries might be one. Um, if somebody does a lot of, you know, um, uh, meals out with friends, dinners and things like that, you might want to set a budget for that. Um and, you know, I don't know, whatever else might be. Um, maybe somebody likes to go out and, um, I don't know, buy books or something. So you might want to set a budget for, you know, how many books you buy per month or something like that. Um, that way you kind of got a little budget, but it's not overly restrictive and it's not this massive thing um, that you're going to find it really hard to stick to. So um, find a few different sort of categories that you feel like you just need to um, help yourself, you know, spend a little bit less and just focus on those. And that can also seem so much easier um, and more realistic than, you know, setting this massive budget and trying to stick to it month in, month out. And the other thing is just to make your budget, however you decide to do it, make it fluid. So if you want to change it next month, then you're able to change it next month. Um, because, you know, that's when we can get, you know, find it really boring when we set this budget and then we think we need to stick to it for the next, you know, 12 months or something like that. Our lives can change very rapidly these, um, you know, these days. So having a budget that you can change from month to month if you need to is really important as well. And that might just help keep the spark alive in your brain um, about actually sitting down and wanting to look at your numbers um, as opposed to just having something that you just set and forget. And literally, you might forget about it. So um, having something that, you know, has your interests that you want to look back on month after month um, can be really important as well. I think it's so such good advice. And when you said um, to, if you do 
mess up or you do go don't stick to the budget and then that shame can come in um and i'm thinking of examples in my past where i've not stuck to what i've said i'm going to do and then you feel guilty and then you actually i guess i've never heard of it explained that way but a a spiral and then i go and order i feel bad so i go and order a a takeaway rather than cooking that night because i feel bad and i want something to make me feel better and then suddenly i've spent 30 pounds on dinner when i should have not spent five pounds on dinner um is that kind of what you mean by potentially like a spiral of of Mm. when you mess up so we say you feel bad you feel guilty you feel shame so you want to kind of cheer yourself up so you go and spend more money even further breaking the budget sorry you're exactly right It's, it's exactly what you described you you don't stick to the budget or you overspent you impulsively spent um and then that shame and guilt enters and then you just want something to pick yourself back up because you're struggling to get out of that mindset of, you know, you're such a terrible person because you did this. And then, you know, it's just you keep having that mindset and it's not a, it's not until you actually go out and buy something else or, you know, go out and spend money on dinner when you already had dinner at home because you want to make yourself feel better. Um, and, you know, it just not only is it a spiral because it keeps going, but then you also get into like the cycle and then you can't get off that cycle because it's just one thing after another. So, um, you know, that's where uh, just doing some work on your mindset and your beliefs um, go hand in hand with those external tools and strategies like budgets and time rules and all that kind of stuff. I think spending for me has always been a, a very emotional, uh, emotional <laughs> transaction. I spend money, I get something and I feel good. I mean, I I know that's obviously every human on the planet, but it's very intense for me. And and when I get that craving for that feeling, I I struggle to not spend the money. Um, Do do you think there's other ways that somebody could feel that emotional craving? There are other things you can do. I mean, I don't ever want to encourage people not to spend any money. You know, if you've got a hobby that you do need to spend a bit of money on, that's okay. You know, budget for that. Be okay with the fact that you want to spend that money on something that you enjoy. Um, But you can do that in other ways as well. So, um, you know, you can meet a friend for a walk to sort of, you know, give you a bit of a, I guess, make you feel a bit better emotionally um you know maybe if you've got a dog take your dog to the park or take you know your dog for a walk or something like that um you know sit down and read a a book from your favorite um favorite genre put on some music and start dancing you know exercise is amazing for the adhd brain um so in a way it's not only when i feel down instead of spending money I'm going to go do this it's also looking at your life holistically as well like are you getting regular exercise are you getting some you know a little bit of sun each day are you making sure you're well hydrated it's all this stuff that's not only money related not only um, emotional related it's all this other stuff that will play into it as well that you need to also look at Um, because when you do feel those slumps when you do feel I'm a bit down, I need to do, you know, do something, it's going to help those times as well when you do have um, things that you do help, you know, your ADHD. And obviously medication plays into that as well if people do medicate for their ADHD. So um, lots of different things to look at um, when it comes to um, your ADHD and, you know, those emotions, that emotional spending, all that kind of stuff. Mm, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's amazing advice, I think, to really Mm. the holistic approach and and almost building if you're not sure what makes you happy uh, away from spending then you know you can 
build work on self-awareness techniques to, and, and grow that but little things like ex- exercising mm. breathing walk with a friend I think that they're all great tips and and it certainly worked for me in the past you know I mean I yeah. run a lot I exercise a lot I um and that has helped and actually that's pulled me away from that obsession mm. about that thing that I can see on Amazon that you know it costs 30 pounds and and well okay I'll put that down and I go for a run instead and actually by the time I get back I've sort of got over that mini hyper fixation yep. and I haven't bought that thing um so yeah that's amazing advice um with debt I I again I go back to the, my example of when I bought that car that yep. I couldn't afford when I was 18 years old impulsively and I very much like for the next three years i buried my head in the sand and I mm. didn't confront the debt I you know the letters were coming through the post from the debt collecting agencies and I was working my butt off three jobs to so I was aware of it and I was but I was also just avoiding actually dealing with it properly um, and I think that's quite a common thing amongst the community is, is if you are in debt mm-hmm. through impulse spending um, to avoid that discomfort that comes with thinking about yeah. um, dealing with it so the question, do you have any advice for anyone in that situation? That kind of that situation kind of goes beyond, you know, just implementing a time rule or something like that because you can't do that with debt. You know, it's the stuff that, you know, you've done in the past um, that you really need to start paying off and things like that. My biggest advice to people who do feel that way about debt is to get help with it. Um, it may feel uncomfortable, but the longer you bury your head in the sand about it and don't want to confront it, it's just going to get worse. If you've got loans, if you've got credit cards with that interest rate, it's just going to blow out of proportion, um, you know, to the point where if you're, let's say you're not paying that debt off or you're not paying enough, not only are you going to spend so much more money on interest because it's just going to accumulate, um, but if you're not paying it off or you're not paying enough off those loans, those credit cards and things like that, you know, that might impact, it's going to impact your credit score. You know, you might have um, debt collectors knocking on your door or sending you letters, which is just a really, it's not a nice feeling, is it? So if, I, yeah, I'd say, number one, if you're struggling with um, with the debt, get some help, um, whether that's from a financial advisor, um, a financial counsellor, a financial coach, just someone, even if it's a trusted person, like I say to people, you don't have to spend money on a professional to get to help you. Ask someone that, you know, might be a bit better with money that you trust to be able to bring into your finances and say, hey, I need some help with this. What do I do? Often we bury our head in the sand because we don't know how to pay it off. Like, you know, how much do I pay off this debt? How much do I pay off that debt? It can be something, um, quote unquote, as simple as that. I know it's not simple. In theory, it's simple. But, you know, when you're having those emotions um, and you need to figure out how to pay off these debts and what to do with them, it's not very simple. So um, get some help, whether that's a professional or a trusted person, to be able to look at it logically for you, Um, because that's what that external person's going to do. You're looking at it with all these emotions, all this shame, all this guilt. I shouldn't have spent that much money. You just need someone with fresh eyes who doesn't have that emotion around that debt to be able to really help you with um, with a plan to pay it down. Gosh, wow! Yeah, no, thanks, Tina. Um, that's incredible advice, and I and I uh, and just from someone, I, I, many mm. people I know have gone through this experience, and just reflecting on my journey with this, I mean, that's mm. ultimately what I what I had to do. Um, yeah, and and it did yeah. really help. Exactly what you just said. Um, so thank you very much. And I think 
the other question that I had in my inbox when I said I was going to mm-hmm. speak to a, a a money coach was was uh, and it's again it's a very broad topic. Are there any little things that people can do to save? money and for an example just to put some context in it and mm-hmm. I think I saw you post about this as well and somebody actually commented on my post it said for example going through your subscriptions and realizing okay look I've impulsively signed up to that app that service and actually there's probably mm-hmm. $50 going out of my account a month to things that I'm not using anymore so that's a, like an example of of something someone could tangibly do today yeah. to, to save money um, is there any other things that someone could do similar to that sort of train of thought yeah 100 percent. that is you know one of the best things that you can do just go through your phone um phone app go through your bank account see what subscriptions are there get rid of them um you know how many people are still paying for a gym subscription um gym membership that you don't use you haven't used it for six months things like that um but you're right <laughs> you know we often um sign up for these subscriptions that have a free trial but need your credit card um that we forget to um we forget to cancel. So definitely have a look at those. Um, on the flips, and look, you can do that with everything, not just subscriptions. You know, you can look at how much you're spending on Amazon. How easy is it to click a button on Amazon and you buy something? Um, you can also flip it and do it the other way. Do like little spending challenges. I don't know if you've seen them, but you can sort of print out these templates that have little amounts that you can, um, you know, colour in or cross off and each little amount, you know, you put it in a different account or if you've got physical cash, you put it in a money box or something. Um, And it's really good because it gives you a visual of actually having that money grow Um, and it kind of gives you a bit of motivation to sort of, you know, be able to colour in every little thing. Often they're little um, pictures that you end up colouring in or a thermometer or something like that. Um, So they can be fun and they don't seem overwhelming because they're little amounts each time. Um, but you know, when you do those little amounts, they will grow to, you know, $500, $1,000 and you don't even know you're real, you don't even realize you're doing it because they're little amounts and you're having fun coloring in and things like that. So, um, you know, it goes both ways, you know, seeing what you can, um, recoup from subscriptions and, you know, those little amounts that you're spending. Um, but also, you know, pop those amounts over into a, um, into a, uh, a savings challenge, and, you know, do something like that. It doesn't need to be huge amounts that you're saving each pay cycle. It can literally be these little amounts that will add up over time. Yeah, that's incredible. I think it's um, yes. gamifying yes. it in a way, like taking something that is mundane and boring, so boring to us and turning yeah. it into a fun activity and almost sort of turning that emotion on its head and saying, <laughs> screw you yeah. app that I don't use anymore. I'm going to stop giving you three ninety nine a month, and I'm going to put that into my piggy bank instead, which, like you said, would accumulate yep. um, into something worthwhile. That's it's fascinating because I think it's it's keeping it new, isn't it? And keeping it exciting and just trying to draw it away from the the probably negative association that we have with money, like it's just boring and it's not giving us anything. So, but if we can make it fun and exciting and gamify in a way like you said so yeah exactly right gamifying anything that you can do to keep that um excitement alive that interest um is going to go a long way just what's the and just finally really um i mean this has been incredibly useful so far um what what's the most common Mm -hmm. i know we've covered impulse spending um and if there's any more to add on that then, then please go ahead but what's the most common uh struggle problem uh question 
that you get from from your clients? Impulsive spending is number one, um, and then followed closely by budgeting um, is always the other thing as well. Um, after that, it's um, sometimes it can just be little things that can be sort of attributed back to impulse spending. You know, some people say, oh, I get, you know, um, uh, when I'm down, I like to shop to make myself feel better. And, you know, that's a type of emotional spending, which then ties into the impulsive spending. So um, impulsive spending and budgeting are the two biggest things that I always get. Um, and then, you know, it's also sometimes about just understanding money as well, which kind of ties back to what we said at the start, that we we didn't grow up learning about money, a lot of us. So, you know, people don't understand money. They don't understand how to save. They don't understand how to feel about money. Um, we're talking about the mindset and the beliefs and things like that. People want to learn about that. Um, investing, people don't know how to invest. So all these little things sort of come after those two big things. Um, and often when it comes to budgeting, it's not the budgeting itself that people struggle with. You know, it's very, quote unquote, easy to budget. You've got your income, you've got your expenses and you've got leftover. That's, you know, that's budgeting. But it's it's the sticking to the budgeting. Um, you know, what we we're talking about earlier, it's um, understanding and knowing how to stick to the amount of money that we're going to say um, we're going to spend on groceries, how, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, and then, you know, paying off debt as well. So um, they're probably the biggest things that um, people will come to me about. They just need some help with. With budgeting, like I've, uh, as I mentioned, I've tried it before and I've done the traditional methods. I've made a spreadsheet on Excel and I've, and I've uh, put how much I want to spend on this. And, and it, more often than not, it, it doesn't work. And I ended up having to basically write it on a bit of paper yeah. physically that was in front of me on my desk um, and that helped um, but still yep. occasionally you know I'm not always at my desk so I don't see it and then I don't stick to it. Um, is, is there anything that somebody could implement that would help them with budgeting that is outside of like the, the traditional advice that that would the neurotypical brain would stick to um, that would help them with? Yes but it can be very um, individual as well so uh, pen and paper is another big one that I talk to people about. Um, you know, typically it's always, oh, do your budget on a spreadsheet or do your budget on an app. That's what we hear most. Um, but for people with ADHD, some a lot of people don't like spreadsheets. Some do. I've met some ADHDers who love spreadsheets <laughs> or love an app, whatever it may be. And that's great for them. You know, if you're one of those people, <laughs> go for it. But if you're not, there's nothing stopping you from doing it on pen and paper. Um, and, you know, if you if you want it in multiple places, you know, write it out in multiple places. Write it on a piece of paper and photocopy it. Put one on your desk. Put one on your fridge or whatever it may be. Um, put it, you know, in your phone. Um, take a photo. Put it on your notes or whatever it may be. It's we can We can sit here all night and talk about different ways that people can budget and stick to a budget. But... It's it's about, you know, taking what we're talking about and trialing it, seeing if it works for you. Um, and even if something doesn't work, it might be a little from, you know, this method and a little from this method um, that might you might create your own method that works for you. And I think that's the most important thing is 
trying to sort of shut out all the noise, shut out all the typical noise and finding a way that suits you, even if, you know, your friend who might be neurotypical completely disagrees with you, as long as it works for you, that is the most important thing. Not if you're, um, you know, using the best spreadsheet dashboard thing that looks really pretty, but you're never going to go into it. That's not going to work. So you may as well just, you know, give it a go. If it doesn't work, do something else. Um, and if putting it on a piece of pen and paper works for you, perfect. I sometimes do my budget on a post-it because I sit there, I get a really cool pen, I put it on a post-it and I stick it on my desk and that's all I need. And off I go. And that works for me. Whereas somebody might look at that and go, what are you doing? You're an accountant. Use a, you know, fang dangled spreadsheet. And I'm like, but I don't, I don't want to. I'm just going to put on a, on a post-it. It's right in front of me and I can see it every single day. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think absolutely the, the i from what i took away from that was was it's it's mm-hmm. you know individualistic so individualistic and and there's no do this do that and things will get better you really need to find out what works for you um and it's interesting because when i started i tried doing the spreadsheet mm-hmm. it didn't work I, I wrote stuff down on my desk it kind of worked but then obviously when i'm not at my desk i don't look i can't see it out of sight out of mind and i spend um now my sort of solution is uh, basically mm-hmm. i have a huge calendar um huge calendar that does sit on my desk and i mm. take a photo of it when i leave the house um so it's kind of also on my phone yep. um but again it's not foolproof um yeah exactly because sometimes i forget to look at my phone <laughs> um but that's an example i think of you know what i've through trial and error personally through me what kind of what kind of works and, and what, what 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 really helps um is there anything else tina um before we uh, before we before we finish that i haven't brought up that you think is worth is worth mentioning again i i could sit here all night and talk about this but uh, look i think we've i think we've covered most of the important stuff you know um i think the questions um that you got in your inbox really do paint a picture of what ADHDers do need help with and what they struggle with. Um, But I really just want to reiterate that um, it's really important to, you know, get help if you need it, ask for help. It's important to find a way that works for you. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work for other people. Um, And, you know, kind of what you were saying about your – you know, you've tried different things with your budget and you've kind of landed on the calendar thing. It's not foolproof, but it, it works most of the time. And I think that's a really important point as well, because often as, um, I don't know, I guess humans in, humans in general, we want something to work and it works forever. And it often doesn't, doesn't do that, you know. Um, something that I've come to realise is something might work for now, and in six months, it might not work. And to be realistic about that. So even if you find a way that works now, um, if if you find that you've outgrown it or in some way or another after, you know, a few months, six months, two years, to be okay with that and just to be like, okay, well, what can I implement now um, to keep this going rather than, oh, this isn't working anymore. Um, you know, I guess I've failed and that's it. Um, so again, it's, you know, it's developing the, the mindset around, um, around money and around your ADHD that there's always a way, even if you can't see it straight away. Wow. Yeah. I mean, perfect. Thank you, Tina. Um, 
it's been so valuable for me just listening to the tips and advice that you've shared and and uh, i followed your instagram for for a while and and every post is resonates you know i think i said to you before we started recording that you have you it's the perfect balance between yeah. valuable <laughs> advice and and humor you know which which it, which really makes it hit home and, and, and reach more people. Thank you for making this work all the way yeah. from uh, Australia and, and I'm here in England. Uh, thank you for, for accommodating the time difference. And where can yeah. people... I always just say for people to go to the Instagram, it's the easiest to find, especially if that's where, you know, they've found this podcast. Um, go to the ADHD accountant on Instagram and there's links to wherever you want to go from there, Facebook, um, email, whatever it may be. Amazing. Thank you, Thank Tina, you. again. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 